0: Good to see your smiling faces, and uh, looking forward to a great day together. i got my mom with me again. Yeah, I thought about interviewing her again, but I thought, well, that was one year too many. No. But anyways, if you get your Bibles, turn with me to the Gospel of Luke chapter 10, Luke's Gospel chapter 10. And uh, it's a special day that we set aside once a year for moms, but I thought, uh, one day out of the year really isn't enough. But it's Mother's Day once again, and so I thought you'd enjoy a list of things But people have said that mothers have taught us. You probably remember some of these things. My mother taught me logic. If you fall off that swing and break your neck, you can't go to the store with me. As well as, if everybody else jumped off a cliff, would you do it too? Yeah. Uh, My mother taught me genetics. You're just like your father. My mother taught me anticipation. Just wait until your father gets home, and that happened a lot. Make me go down the stairs, my brother Ralph, we're always in trouble together. She would lock us in the furnace room, and then I would wait for my dad to come home, because he came home off shift work, and then the Dutch began to fly. Because in order to get dad upset, you know, you had to get him worked up, because dad couldn't spank us when he was in a good mood. So she would get him riled up and then he'd come down the stairs. Slam the door open, and we were like, ooh. and yeah, we got spanked. Anticipation. I learned it. My mother taught me about receiving. You're going to get it when you get home. Oh, great. How about my mother taught me about religion? You better pray that will come out of the carpets. My mother taught me about stamina. You sit there until all that spinach is finished. That didn't happen with me. It was like, no, I ate everything in sight. And anyway, that's another story. Mother taught me about the circle of life. I brought you into this world, and you've heard that. Awesome. (laughs) Uh, My mother taught me about justice. One day you'll have kids, and I hope they turn out. Yeah, I heard that. Uh, yeah. And then uh, it happens. But you know, so to come past Mother's Day from everybody's perspective. I think about moms today who are single parents. I think about moms who are carrying the whole weight of rearing children with no help from their husbands. Because I've talked to them and shared with them. I think about gals who would like to be to have kids but are able to conceive their challenges. There are some today who fail, they feel they failed and would like to forget this day they called Mother's Day. I've, in the churches I've passed, I've met some mothers that said, I'm not coming to show up from church Mother's Day. I hate that day. It's the worst day of the year. I just don't want to be there. I thought, yeah, I hear you. See, being a mom is actually a daunting challenge. But today, I want to encourage you all from God's Word. But before we do, let's just bow our heads in prayer. Father, we come before you today. We just pray, Father, that... First of all, through your Holy Spirit, you speak to every heart. Lord, that's what it's all about. It's not about me speaking. It's about you speaking through the revealed Word of God to encourage every single mom that's here today. And Lord, we've got uh, moms who have birthed children. We've got moms who are spiritual moms. Uh, moms have been moms when they were able to conceive. There's so many different aspects, Father. But I pray through your Holy Spirit, you'd minister to all of us. We ask it in Christ's name. Amen. And dads and Men, don't tune out. This is Mother's Day. I can tune out. No, no, that's not not part of it. So let's go to Luke's Gospel, chapter 10, verses 38 through to 42. It starts off here, a pivotal passage. It says, as Jesus and his disciples were on their way, he came to a village where a woman named Martha opened her home to him. She had a sister called Mary who sat at the Lord's feet listening to what he said. Warren Worsby, who passed away a couple weeks ago, actually I got a chance to meet Warren Worsby at Moody Founders Week in Chicago. Actually, his pastor's conference, and uh, of all places, I met him in the gym. Interesting guy. Anyways, he wrote, Worship is at the heart of all that we are and all that we do in the Christian life. It's important that we be busy ambassadors, taking the message of the gospel to the lost souls. It's also essential to be merciful Samaritans seeking to help exploit and hurting people who need God's mercy but before we can represent Christ as we should or imitate him in one, our caring ministry we must spend time with him and learn from him we must take time to be holy see in verse 38 we we get an introduction to the story um Christ while traveling to Bethany happens to come to Martha's home she being a good hostess she welcomes him in which was typical of Eastern Hospital on that day whoever came to your door knocked said hey can I come in sure you say, wow, that would have been a bit of a dilemma. But anyways, preparing, so far so good. And then we're introduced to her sister Mary in verse 39 of your passage there. She is sitting in rapt attention by Jesus' feet. listening to every word Jesus is saying. It is interesting that every time we read about Mary in the Gospels, she's always at the feet of Jesus. Every time you see it, there's time that she actually washes his feet with her tears and with her hair. And what a pattern of love and humility to emulate as she is. So far, so good. Right, we got Mary, we got Martha, two gals, no issues. In verse 40, the problem presents itself. There's always problems. But Martha was distracted by all the preparation that had to be made. She came to him and asked, Lord, don't you care that my sister has left me to do the work by myself? Tell her to help me. There's a stark contrast between the two sisters, as you kind of have noted now. Mary's sitting at the feet of Jesus, and Martha is distracted by all the preparations, all the work. Mary's enthralled as she sits at the feet of the Savior. That's kind of the posture, what we call the disciple. See, a disciple is devoted to the authority of Jesus and sits under his teaching. A disciple acknowledges the authority of Jesus and drinks in his teaching. A disciple is not willing to tell Jesus how he or she thinks it ought to be. A disciple has his mouth closed and he listens to what is Jesus saying. Uh, But let's get back to the story. Martha is enraged. She is losing it in the kitchen. Anybody ever been there? Okay, better, okay. Oh, hands went up. She's pacing back and forth in the kitchen. You can picture it. The guys are sitting around in the living room. They're listening to Jesus. I was going to say they're watching the hockey game. No, taking it more relevant. See, hospitality was highly valued in that society in that day. And uh, the honor and even reputation of woman was associated with how hospitable was she. Maybe this was on Martha's mind as she's going through this whole process of trying to get things ready. So, what's the problem? Well, there really is a problem, is there? There's a problem with what happens at any household at this kind of time. The problem is not the serving, the fact that she wanted to serve, that Martha wanted to help, as we look back at verse 40. There's nothing wrong with working in the kitchen. There's nothing wrong with doing that. But the key phrase is, she was distracted. Doesn't work anyways. Well, We need a new mic. Okay, come on. That's a, don't need that. It's a distraction. Anyways, there we go. That's better. I feel like I can see you better. She was distracted, just like I was with that mic stand. No, She was distracted with all the preparations. She she got so enthralled and so busy with stuff that she got distracted. It means she was being pulled apart. Ever feel that way? You have so many things to do and you feel there's so many distractions. We feel as if we want to give our attention to one thing and there are all these things that are pulling us and we're literally feeling like we're being pulled apart because there's so much. You say to yourself, how am I going to get it all done? Ladies, have you ever been there? Because sometimes I've heard phrases like, and I have to be careful here, but sometimes I hear these, these phrases, for example, like this. My mother doesn't work, she just stays at home. Yeah, that's exactly what I thought. This guy's going to have a short life. Or I've even had gals say that about their moms. Oh, she doesn't really work. She can do this. And I thought, they have no idea about what a mom who stays at home has on her platter. And then there's ones who actually work and try to balance stuff at home on top of it. It's a huge challenge. But Martha was losing it in the kitchen. So in your service for God, have you ever lost it because of the slackness of those who sit around you and do nothing while you're doing all the work? Have you ever been so busy you're looking at people all around you and thinking, like, those lazy slackers. They're just sitting there doing nothing and I'm doing all the work. I think we've all been there. But for moms, Especially. Especially. Few things are as damaging to the Christian life as trying to work for Christ without taking time to commune with Christ. For without me, you can do nothing. Another quote by Warren Worsby. But back to the story. Martha's in the kitchen. Jesus and the disciples are in the living room. And and Jesus is talking and sharing. And she looks at Mary sitting there on her big fat rear end doing nothing. We don't know if you had a fat rerun. We just had that's so That's probably what she's thinking. And I'm doing all the work. Mary's distracted. Jesus is teaching. Martha's distracted. She's being pulled apart by the things going on around her and her normal operating mode, which is do something at that moment with that number of people to be taken care of, is quite overwhelming. She's looking at all these disciples that are coming in. They're all sitting there. And all of a sudden, the fact that she wants to serve is not a problem, but the thing is like, how am I going to pull this off? I'm feeling overwhelmed. Her standard of operation mode, uh, I came, I overcome, and uh, she's starting to lose her patience because she thinks nobody cares. Because she says, she addresses God right there, sitting there, don't you care? I'm all alone in the kitchen trying to pull this off, and don't you give a rip about what I'm doing? By the way, was that Jesus' problem? Whose problem was it? But I think sometimes what happens in everyday life is we get so busy that we run ahead of God and what needs to be done in our lives. You hear me? We get distracted by all the stuff and all the things that need to be done. How many times in the beginning of the day you think, this morning when I head out to do, go to work, I'm going to have my time of prayer. I'm going to have my time of Bible reading. It's going to be a great day. And then all of a sudden, there's a distraction. It could be your children. It could be your husband. It could be something else. There's always distractions. And all of a sudden, you're halfway through the morning, and you think back, well, I really haven't spent any time with God today, but I've got so much to do. I just got to keep trucking, keep trucking, keep trucking, keep trucking, keep going, keep going, keep going with all the distractions. There's actually an author that wrote a book called Tyranny of the Urgent. It talks about in that book the idea that there's so many things that scream for our attention throughout every day. And oftentimes the things that scream the most for our attention are the things that really don't need doing. And so for Martha at this point, she's really feeling challenged. And she's actually frustrated that she thinks in her dilemma and with all the distraction, that God doesn't care. But he does. She's frustrated with Mary, she's frustrated with Jesus, and there's a clash going on in her mind, ready to have a good old-fashioned fight. She's lost patience. J.C. Ryle, in his comments on this passage, warns us that the cares of the world are a snare to our souls if we allow them to take up too much of our attention. And so the question we need to ask ourselves we have all these, these distractions is what's really the most important thing today? Is it all this distraction? And the answer is no. And Jesus is going to remind her of that. The fault of Martha should be a warning to all Christians. If we desire to grow in grace, enjoy soul prosperity, we must be aware of the cares of the world. We need to be aware of the distractions. We got it. But except you watch and pray, they will insensibly, that's exactly what's happening to Martha right now, they will insensibly eat up our spirituality and bring leanness to our souls. If you gap, get up every day, running after all the stuff that needs doing, it will leave your soul empty. you hear me? because we can run throughout life doing all the right stuff doing all the right things and inside we are empty because going throughout life without giving time and effort to my relationship with Jesus Christ leads to an empty unfulfilled life because all the distractions that the world will throw at you will not bring peace will not bring joy will not fill your heart. It'll be temporary, but it doesn't last. You can con yourself into thinking, I can do these things and really enjoy them, but deep down in your heart you will say, it's not really enough. Because I've met people that have chased after the distractions of this world. And a distraction can be literally anything. It can be even good things. But if they take you away from your relationship with Christ, it'll leave you empty. Because only Jesus satisfies. Sounds like a cliche phrase, but it's not. It's not really open sin or flagrant breaches of God's commandments that lead man to ruin. It's far more frequently an excessive attention to things in themselves that are lawful that distract us by doing all the stuff. You ever find yourself doing more and more and more and enjoying it less? And you think to yourself, what's the purpose behind all this? And that's why you need a a face-to-face meeting with Jesus and God says, here's what's really important. Here's where you really need to be focused on rather than all the stuff. And so it's proper to attend to duties that accompany wherever you are at in life. There's jobs to be done. There's jobs to be done. There's things to be done in life. Yes, we get that. But that's just where the danger lies. Our families, our business, our daily calls, our household affairs, our daily coming and going, everything all can become snares to our hearts and may draw us away from God. You can be so involved in doing stuff that you give up time with your relationship with Jesus Christ. And I've seen marriages fall apart that way too, where you can give yourself to so many legitimate things that the relationship with your wife, your husband, or your children is no more because you're running after all the things that really aren't that important. See, Martha directs her anger towards Jesus. In Luke 10, 40, she says essentially Lord, if you really cared about me, you rebuke my sister Mary, get her in the kitchen and get her to help me. Really. Martha is ordering Jesus around and telling him what to do. Does this sound right? Whoa, hold it. How many of you have been telling Jesus what to do? Lord, if you fix this in my life, Lord, if you fix that in my life, then things will be better. So, Lord, you better get doing this because I need this right now. doesn't sound like a petulant child rebuking a parent for what you need. Anger, frustration, resentment often come out of this controlling way. When people do not act that way, we want the way we want them to, we often find someone else to straighten out that person. So oftentimes when you see a person that should be doing something you think they should be doing and they're not, what do you do? Well, you call somebody else up who's got greater authority and say, can you tell them what to do? And sometimes I like to ask people, because oftentimes, as a pastor, does that happen? Oh, a lot. Do you know what so-and-so is not doing? You need to tell them, blah, 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 blah. And I said, well, hey, wait, wait, yeah. Have you talked to them? Uh, no. Then why should I be going to talk to them when you haven't talked to them at all? Skirting the issue. And yet, whenever we criticize others and pity ourselves because we feel overworked, it's time to examine our own lives and say, hey, well, what's, what's happening in here? What's really going on? Perhaps in our busyness, in our distractions, we'd be ignoring God, and so people around us begin to frustrate us. Martha's problem was not that she had too much work to do, but that she allowed her work to distract her and pull her apart. Martha has allowed the cares of that moment to rip her apart, to pull her away from what Jesus is doing, so that suddenly her slow burn erupts into open harshness against Jesus, whom she loves, and even her sister Mary, who she really cares about deeply as well. How, How does Jesus respond to this? Martha, would you stop losing it? It's not that big a deal. No, we don't see that. What's he say? Martha, Martha. Lord answered, "You're worried and upset about many things. It's it's not one thing, many things. But only one thing is needed. Mary's chosen one is better, and it will not be taken away from her." Jesus does something very nice. We miss it perhaps. uh, Martha, she got it. Martha, Martha. That's not a tone of exasperation. It's not impatience. Uh, Here we go again. But it's love. He says lovingly, Martha, Martha. And Martha gets it. She knows what what she's about to hear is going to change her life and change her focus as to what's really going on in her life at that point. So often. She knows that Christ loves her intensely and cares about her deeply. And so she listens to what he has to say. He says, you're worried and upset about many things, but only one thing. Is necessary. The the idea of worry means anxiety. It means you're, you're divided in your mind. You're not focused on one thing. You've got all these things, and you know we've all been there. There's been anxieties in our own life that have torn us. Anxieties when you have not one thing that you're focusing on. You're focused on so many things that are out of your own control. And you're exasperated because there's no sense of control in your own life to control what's going on. See, if my mind is divided, I'm anxious, troubled, tossed about, nothing's right, nothing will go right, nothing's working, not much to do, toss here, toss there, and how many times they will meet people that will say the same thing to me regardless of the situation they're in. They're saying, I just, I'm just, anxious, I'm upset, and I'll just stop. I said, now, let's talk about the things you're anxious about. Let's write them all down. Okay? You're upset about this. You're upset about this. You're upset about this. You're troubled about this. Yeah, yeah, got it, got it. Okay, tell me, what can you do about that stuff? You know what the answer is? Anybody guess? Nothing. The things we become anxious about are things we don't have control over. But there's one who has control over all things. And that's the one we need to go to. So, well, what is Martha missing? She's missing the fact the Lord is teaching. She wants so badly to serve Him a wonderful dinner that she's missing the fact that He's actually there for her. She wants to do something really nice. But He's actually there for her. And He actually probably would appreciate if she sat down and just listened to what Jesus had to say to her. But she is what? Distracted here. Here's here's a point for all of us. How many of us are so busy with our lives, distracted that we don't take time to hear what Jesus is saying to us? You think this past week, think about it. You don't have to be a mom today. Anyone. You've been so busy with so much stuff about things you can't control, things you have no power over. And Jesus is just saying, I want you to be still and hear what I have to say to you. Because when you're still and you hear what he has to say to you, that anxiety, that upset, those distractions will all go away. Why? Because you're focused on what? One thing, the Lord. And that's just not a challenge for moms, as I said today, it's a challenge for all of us, because, folks, all of us are going to face distractions. Good ones. Legitimate ones. But yet, Christ came not to be served, but to give his life as a ransom for all. He wasn't interested right now at that point of being served. He wanted her to just sit down at his feet because God's word says that man does not live by bread alone, but by every word which proceeds from the mouth of God. She needed to hear God first. She allow her anxieties to overcome her with the anxiety about food prep. And it began to overwhelm her rather than realizing that Jesus is the bread of life. Alfred Edersham says about the scene in the home of Mary Martha this, Mary forgot everything else but Jesus. She was lost in that moment with Jesus. And everything else became superfluous. Mary forgot everything else but Jesus spoke to her and no one else had ever done. She was absorbed in everything he had to say. Stop there. What was the last time that you were totally absorbed in hearing what God had to say to your heart? You know how hard sometimes it is to open the Word of God on a daily basis and start reading it because all of a sudden there's a phone ringing, there's something going on, there's, there's, there's a text coming through, there's an email coming through, and there's all this stuff coming, coming, coming that want our attention. And God says, I just want your attention. I don't don't want you to stop. I don't want you to start serving me right now. Just listen to what I have to say to you. Because his words are life to your soul. She was absorbed with him. And so Jesus is saying, Martha, right now is the moment for you to sit down and hear what I have to say. Stop what's going on in the kitchen and just sit down and listen what's important right now. There'll be time to eat and to drink, and that time will come around again. It'll come again and again. But the most important portion right now is to sit and listen and hear what I have to say. Let me conclude by saying this. In their book, First Things First, Simon & Schuster, Stephen Covey and Roger and Rebecca Merrill asked this benedict question. I'm going to have it put up. What is the one activity that you know if you did superbly well and consistently would have significant positive results in your personal life? The one thing that you know that if you did it consistently, repetitively, whatever, it would make a big change in your life. Then Repeat that question with regard to your professional or work life and then ask, if you know those things or that thing that would make such a difference, then why aren't you doing it? they go going to discuss how we often wrongly let the urgent take priority over what is truly important. So let's use that question in the Christian context. What's the one activity you know if you did superbly well and consistently would have significant impact in your walk with God? And if you know that it would make a significant difference... Then why didn't you do it this past week? Tyranny of the urgent, distractions. Because sometimes when it comes to the end of the day and you look at your life, say, What did I really get done today? You ever, ever get that point you get you get at the end of the day and you're like, What what did I really accomplish today? And that's why it's so important for us to center our lives on the Word of God and hearing what God has to say to our hearts. Open your lives to speak to him through prayer and say, Lord, guide me this day so that I am able to discern what is important and what isn't important. The one significant activity is spending time with the Lord in word and prayer. And I think about that because one of the things I saw evidence in my life growing up was a mom opened God's word and read it consistently, faithfully, day by day. I know I'm blessed to have a wife who also reads God's Word. I see Rose often in her chair, reading her Bible, and doing devotions every single day. And I can see the difference in their lives and the impact they have with people around them. If you want your life to have impact for the sake of the kingdom, my friend, it is seen when you spend time with God's Word. Because you say, what do you want want people to think about you in terms of who you are? Well, they remember your feats and accomplishments maybe. But you know what oftentimes is the most observable aspect of your life? It's how you live your life. Your actions, your speech, your conduct. People will see that every single day. And how they observe that will be seen in who I spend time with. And when I spend time with the Lord Jesus Christ in prayer and in His Word, it will impact my relationships and what I do every single day do I want my life to count for eternity's sake? The answer is, yeah, I do. I really do. Then do the one thing that'll make the difference. See, isn't that kind of like the typical message every Sunday? Read your Bible, pray. Read your Bible, pray. Read your Bible, pray. Read your Bible, pray every day, and you'll grow, grow, grow. Remember that one Sunday school? No, you didn't go to my Sunday school. Anyways. And so the whole idea is that as I spend time in God's Word and read it, that I will grow my Christian life. Ward Worsby says this, the most important part of the Christian life is the part that only God sees. Unless we meet Christ personally and privately each day, we'll soon end up like Martha, busy but not blessed. How many of you want to be blessed? Yeah, It's obvious. And if you want to be blessed, you know to, God's word to saturate your hearts and your minds so people see Jesus in and through you. Do I remember all of my pastors' messages? Nope. Don't. What, what do I remember about my pastor growing up? I had the same pastor for 20 years as blessed. As I remember him. They would knock on doors and share the gospel with people. I remember seeing the front of a church filled with people and him leading people to Christ. What I saw was what he modeled. And how do I know what he modeled? Because I also know that in prayer, he prayed every day faithfully, and it changed the way he lived. My prayer for you, moms and dads and everyone here, is that you will model Christ's likeness in your life, and that will only be evident if you make the main thing your time in prayer and your time in the word of God that God might change you and impact not only you but your families and your families from generation to generation till Christ comes back. We talk to men about the importance of men's ministry. We talk to women about women's ministry. And here's, here's the thought. We say, well, if I accept Christ, how will that affect things? And the thing is that when I live for Christ, it doesn't only affect one generation, the generation I grew up in, but it impacts future generations. I'm blessed to have a godly mom and dad who live Christ-likeness. We all came to the same knowledge of Christ uh, back in the 60s. I don't go back a little ways. And mom and dad also encouraged all of us boys, all five of us, to go to Bible school, Bible college. We all did. And now those boys also have had children who have accepted Christ. And those children now also have children who've accepted Christ. And so from mom and dad, I think, what do how many do we have now? 50, 55 now in Canada? All together. 30 great-grandchildren. 17 grandchildren. Anyways, but what's really unique about that, folks, and this is not bullshit, this is what what God's doing. Because mom and dad have committed themselves to the Word of God. Generations were impacted for the sake of the kingdom. Your family will be impacted for God when you commit yourself to living for Him, not allowing the distractions of this world to take you away from that relation because Satan will bring distractions your way, left, right, and center, to keep you from spending that time and hearing God's voice. Even when you leave today, there will be distractions. Even when you get up tomorrow, there will be distractions. I guarantee it. Because His His whole proposal is this if I can keep you from spending time with God, I can lessen the impact of that Christian's life. And I don't know about you, but I believe we all want our lives to count for the sake of God's kingdom. Amen. Let's pray. Father, thanks for your word. The Mary Martha Dilemma, Father. A challenging one. But Father, we also understand that your desire is that, Lord, your love, your grace, we exemplified in our lives. But Lord, we need to hear your voice. We need to be a Samuel of old who said, Speak, Lord, for your servant is listening. But, oh God, help us attune the things of the world out. Shut them off. Shut them out. So we can hear your voice. My friend, I don't know what's going to take in your life. Because there's a lot of distraction going on. But hear me loud and clear. God wants to speak to your heart. Is speaking through his word. But you need to make time and shut off the distractions so that you will hear what he has to say. He loves you. He wants the best for your life. But you've got to open your heart and say, Lord, I really want to hear what you have to say. I want my life to make a difference. And when you take that time, He will speak to you. And it will change the way you think, the way you act, the way you live. So make that time. Make some time today. Make some time tomorrow. And shut off all the stuff that's going to distract. Make time for God. And I ask it in Jesus' name. Amen.